0: Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast, produced by Bob and Brad, the two most famous physical therapists on the internet. I am Bob, I, exactly one half of the Bob and Brad team. And today, my partner in crime is actually Mike Keenet's PT assistant. Right. Yeah, no Brad. But we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about with Ross Clifford. He is the author of the book, Mike. Want to say it?
1: build your own bulletproof body, all bodyweight exercises or stretches and foam rolling as well.
0: You're going to find this really interesting. Here we go. Welcome to the program, Ross Clifford. So I'm big fan of the book, uh, build your own (laughs) bulletproof body. We'll have a link below. Um, Really well done. I, I like the approach. We're not talking about putting armor on the body though, are we? That's correct. No, we're not. We're, we're talking
2: about building some resilience from within the body, hopefully.
0: Wonderful, so while we go to get started here, um, we got a lot of questions. Um, first, could we have your backstory, a little yeah. background?
2: Yes, of course, so well, my name is Ross Clifford. I'm from the United Kingdom and I'm a physiotherapist by background, but my journey first started in, in sport and exercise science, which is where I first developed a passion for the way that the human body moves. Uh, and then I went on to study physiotherapy, which I guess you guys call physical therapists over in right. the United States, and uh, started that journey just over 15 years ago, really. And ever since, have began to specialize more in musculoskeletal injuries and rehabilitation. And uh, yeah, uh, and then a few years ago, this idea about writing the book um, Bulletproof Bodies or How to Build Your Own Bulletproof Body uh, came into being, and then the, the rest is history, as they say.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I, again, we'll have a link below. Um, why did you decide to write the book?
2: I've always been an advocate of exercise as a, as a means of um, improving the condition of the human body, particularly the musculoskeletal system, but also, you know, the benefits are so widespread, the cardiovascular system, the respiratory, the effects on type 2 diabetes, mental health, you name it, exercise can help restore much of the function across the, across the board.
0: Yeah, um, But in particular, my,
2: my journey with, with this type of musculoskeletal theme came with my own injury that I had. I had a hip impingement, oh. and this was about probably six or seven years ago now. Uh, I got to the point where I really felt I needed surgery on my hip. Every time I would go to, to sit down and then stand up again, my hip would lock um, to the point where I couldn't wait there for you oh, know, wow. maybe five or six minutes. And I went to see a, an orthopedic surgeon. I had uh, an x-ray. I had an MRI scan. I had what's called an MRA scan, which is where they put a dye in to the hip. Uh, and the outcome was, Ross, there's basically nothing wrong with your hip that we can see. Mm. So I went back to my roots and I thought, right, if, if there's no external help for this, I'll, I'll help myself. And, and I found a core of body weight exercise that, that for me really hit the spot. Um, and within six weeks of doing that, I'd cured three years of hip pain Wow. and I just, and I just couldn't believe it because I was, doing, I was doing the right type of exercise for me targeted at the problem. And I just thought if, if everybody could access this to some degree, surely that information needs to be shared. And, uh, and so Bulletproof Bodies was born.
0: Sounds like a good
2: concept.
1: So you're a big advocate of body weight exercises. Can you give us some reasons why? Well, um, it's free. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's
2: it's accessible. So, you know, you don't need to wait for a gym to open um, or to have to pay for a gym membership. But as, as well, there's a, there's a great introduction to the book that talks about how it, it, it's not a new form of exercise. It's quite a fashionable form of exercise, but actually it, it's not a fad. It's not something that will come and go like, you know, like a wearable technology. Sure. This is something that, you know, has been done for thousands of years and still continues in the form of of yoga and pilates and and all those sorts of things so it's tried and tested so I I think that's that's the main reason Um, but it can be done almost anywhere at any time you don't need specialist equipment you can do it outdoors weather permitting but for me the the one major reason that I think makes uh, bodyweight exercise so fantastic is that in any given exercise, you use multiple joints and multiple muscles at any given time. So if you take the example of a bench press versus a push-up, and if you think of a bench press, you know you're quite passive, you're laid onto the bench, right. And all that's really working is is, is the chest and, and the arms. Yeah. If you flip that into a press up, then before you even start, you've got the plank position, you know, you've got all the muscles around the core buttocks the hip flexors all the way down into the the gastrocnemius and the calf Um, and that's before you've even started doing the press the push-up itself so you 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 use all of these muscles and and so actually you can get a much more uh, intensive workout in a short space of time
0: yeah you have a a co-author on this right ashley callum oh yes
2: ashley Callum. yeah now Ashley is an absolute monster when it comes to calisthenics. He is he is such a, a fantastic athlete, uh, and he has a book out as, as well called Complete Calisthenics. I saw that, and it, it is an amazing text. And that's actually the first time I came across uh, Ashley. I was so impressed with his book when I actually bought it as a reader I see. Um, that that I felt compelled to contact him and say, "Look, I've got this idea for a book." Could, would you collaborate and and from there the relationship was born and we've actually written a few of the books since then um, uh, but yeah he is uh, he's, he's very knowledgeable um uh, certainly about what the limits of the body can do uh, and he's really pushed his body in a military capacity and um, but also just from from an exercise point of view
1: so your book is not only about the prevention of injuries, but also treatment of chronic injuries, primarily using bodyweight exercises. Um, could you talk about the repair process of connective tissue and what may be happening with a chronic injury? Okay. Yeah,
2: sure. Um, right. So I, I guess you've got two answers. You've got a very technical one and you've got a very basic right, one. You're, trying, exactly. you're, trying, you're going to try and go down the middle here. It's a wee so, bit. <laughs> we'll we'll go we'll go fairly simple
0: okay
2: i mean ultimately there are with chronic injuries there are three approaches either um your body is not strong enough and not resilient enough to take the external forces being imposed on it so therefore that leaves you with three options either you make your body more resilient right you either change the stress on your body by doing something different or you reduce the stress on your body but well, they're the three options that you've got. You know, sure. if, if you get a if you get back pain from your job, you've either got to change the way that you do your job, change your job. Both of those things might be quite difficult. Or sure. thirdly, make make your body more able to cope with those stressors. So if we if we take that as the as the line of the book, which is bulletproof bodies, how do we make our bodies more resilient? So with chronic injuries, we generally talk about the body going through phases of, of repair. Now, if you damage yourself in acute injury, you often get the injury itself, then some inflammation, and then a repair process where the body sort of replicates itself. We call that proliferation. But with a chronic injury, it tends to sit in those latter stages and you don't necessarily get the inflammation. Um, you just get tissues that have been stretched. And they're under a prolonged load. So the idea really is that you reduce that load And you make those tissues stronger or you bring them more aligned to reduce the stress that's on them Um, so often when you get connective tissue repair we talk about collagen scar tissue as it's more commonly known and the idea is if you've got that scar tissue that develops you you try and remodel that by putting the better type of stress through it rather than the chronic loading stress that your day-to-day life places on your body. Um, so it's about how you influence the, the collagen and the connective tissue or the scar gotcha. tissue
0: that's important. Makes sense. So you answered my question or Mike. Why don't you jump in? Again?
1: So how can bodyweight exercises accomplish proper repair?
2: Well, that, I mean, that's the, that's the multi-million dollar question, isn't it? So the, the idea it is, is that it creates a better type of stress on the body. It uh, creates better alignment so maybe through the spine, posture of the shoulder, for example. Um, so what you're doing is you're not overloading some tissues and underloading other tissues. I see. Because actually what we've come to realise over the last decade is there are injuries that are caused by underloading of the body, particularly around the, the shoulder, what we call the rotator cuff. Um, so, so it's not just overloading, but it's underloading being an issue as well. And it's about rebalancing those stresses, which I feel you can do with, with targeted... Body weight exercise. But the main thing as well, it's about moving the body regularly, whether that is body weight exercise or any type of exercise. And the analogy I always use with my patients is if you think of a a rubber band or an elastic band, I'm not sure what you guys call that in in the States, but um if you take a rubber, what is say it say again? Rubber band. band. Okay, so you take a rubber band and we we put it on stretch for a long period of time. Uh, And then after maybe a year, you you know, you take it off that pile of papers that it's been on and it doesn't actually recoil to its original length. And the reason for that is you've deformed the fibers that make up that rubber band uh, and they might be permanently deranged and deformed. And this is the same is true of connective tissue collagen. If it's on a prolonged stress, it may not recoil. Um, So the idea is you you maintain that good alignment um, and you stop the deformation of those fibers.
0: So do you think you can use body weight exercises for osteoarthritis?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it's a big problem for you guys over there as well, but in the UK, we have, you know, close to 10 million people uh, in, in the UK who are suffering from osteoarthritis. Right. And we, we have these things over here called NICE guidelines, which are produced by a body of experts that inform clinicians on how best. manage osteoarthritis and the number one form of management for osteoarthritis is exercise Exercise, without a doubt in fact just recently in the uk there was a a bit of a news push on the fact that we need to reduce our reliance on painkillers particularly opioid painkillers right um, and and move people to exercise so whether that be body weight exercise or any form of exercise movement is the way forward Uh, and there's another uh, sort of a, a common uh, bit of language we use here called "motion is lotion."
0: Right, we got um, that one too.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's it's about lubricating the body. You know, particularly right. with osteoarthritic joints, they contain synovial fluid. Dissolved in that fluid are the nutrients, and unless you disperse that fluid, you don't disperse those nutrients, and the the health of the joint declines. Sure. So, absolutely, it's a key uh, form of management for osteoarthritis.
1: Could you describe the difference between tendonitis and tendinopathy? Oh,
2: okay. So again, technical. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep it straightforward. So, tendonitis is more of a an outdated um, term, right. particularly in the UK, in that we don't often see inflammation associated with tendon problems. Agreed. That's more of an acute issue. When we okay. tend to see chronic overuse tendon problems, as I'm sure you guys are aware. Right. We already have gone past that inflammatory stage. So any, any form of uh, sort of medical terminology with itis at the end suggests inflammation. So as a term, it doesn't quite describe what's going off with the pathology. So as a broader term, we use the opathy, which basically means there's something, there's a pathology with, sure. with the joint, whether that's an arthropathy, so a joint problem as opposed right. to arthritis, or a tendonopathy. Uh, which is a tendon problem, and um, the current understanding is it's more of a degenerative breakdown of the tendon where the remodeling process hasn't quite caught up with the degree of right. breakdown.
0: So, I so mean, does that fit
2: with
1: what you guys yes, understand over exactly?
0: There? Right? I mean, it's uh, quite often it's
1: it should be used
0: tendonized, right?
1: Uh, can body weight exercises help with tendinopathy? Uh, definitely
2: yeah so so again if you look at the research that's out there um one of the key forms of management of a tendinopathy which as i say is this more degenerative uh, b- breakdown versus rebuild issue um, one of the key forms of management is is loaded movement uh, and there's a lot of talk around something called an eccentric movement which as again right. i'm sure you guys are aware it's where yep. you load the tendon as it lengthens as opposed to a concentric movement where you load the tendon as it shortens or or the muscle, should I say? Yeah. So the idea is that as you load a tendon um, as it's lengthening, um, that creates the stimulus for that tendon to regenerate and to rebuild. So there's no better way of doing that really than using body weight exercise. So whether that's single leg, uh, calf raises, double leg calf raise, uh, you know, on the edge of a step where you allow the, the heel to drop that little bit lower to get that stretch. So yeah, there are um, there are myriad exercises that you could use from a body weight perspective that would give you that benefit.
0: Oh, wonderful! So uh, I like the term you use, uh, niggle. <laughs> you want to define that?
1: Is is this a UK word then? Is it? I uh, think so. Uh, yeah. I- that's not coming over here. Yeah, I think not, I've heard it. once I've or heard twice. it
0: before, um, it, but I'm yeah, not sure it, where. It's
2: uh, a niggle is is like a, an annoyance, so it's not something that's it sounds like it that. Is, it's certainly not an anatomical term, so I don't want to mis- mislead you guys on that. Um, but it's basically this this annoying pain that won't go away. It, you know, it's maybe not something you would think I need to see a physical therapist about, but it's also something that's not settling by itself. Sure. It's that little bit of tightness you get in your calf every time you go for a run, or it's that little bit of a shoulder ache that you get every time you play basketball. So it's this it's that thing in the background that just doesn't seem to go away. It doesn't really restrict you, but it is it's always there in the background. And it's maybe a suggestion that you should do something about it. So yeah, sure. that's what we would we would call a niggling injury.
0: Yeah, my age I get big niggles. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so yeah i'm at that age where i get a lot of niggles
0: (laughs) so um just quickly can you touch on muscle recovery what helps what hurts i mean i know it's a big topic but if you just want to maybe give your your great the stuff that you most rely on
2: okay so um so muscle recovery there's there is a section in the book actually around sort of recovery yeah um Uh, And again, one of the things I talk about in the book is how when you exercise muscles, they actually break down and it's the breakdown of those tissues that is then the stimulus for rebuild. Right. Um, And this is why, you know, as you guys will know, as as your sort of followers will know, when you go and do some exercise that you haven't done for a while, you will ache for a few days afterwards. And that is your body saying you have created a degree of breakdown of, of muscle. And we call that DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, But effectively, it's a type of injury. So to recover from that injury, you need adequate rest. You also need some degree of active recovery to to flush the metabolic waste products out of the area to stimulate further growth. Um, You need good nutrition, particularly in the form of protein, um, because muscles are protein, as are all of your connective tissues Um, you need vitamin C because there's good evidence that, that, that promotes um, a good protein recovery as well. Um, You need adequate fluids uh, and you need, and you need some rest and some good sleep as well. Um, So yeah, there's a, there's a whole section in the book on how to, how to try and strive for that good recovery, whether that's from muscle related soreness or whether it's from a, a more chronic overuse injury.
0: Yeah, over here, LeBron James, um, you know, basketball player sleeps oh, yeah. twelve hours a night on game night. So, wow. Yeah, yeah. I think
2: I think you need to at that level. It, sure. It's essential, and and also it helps regulate your hormones as well. Sure. Um, and this is something we're seeing here in the UK a like lot with type two diabetes and sleep uh, disruption, in that it, you've got that dysregulation of, of hormones um, like really? leptin and insulin but also growth hormone as well, which uh, probably explains why LeBron is so tall.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) So in your book, when you discuss the major body parts, you have different levels rating in one through three for the bodyweight exercises. So to the average person reading your book, how would they determine which one they should or shouldn't do?
2: Yeah, sure. Good question. So, I mean, that it depends on the level at which they're coming in. So um, just to so so just to, to explain, so this this book here is obviously the, the version that you guys have got. Um, right. But but if you if you still shop around, you could get the original, which you see oh, the artwork is different. Yes. Um so there might be a, a few of these still available online, a bit of a collector's edition now, but we changed the artwork because we felt this maybe gave the impression it was a bit more of a muscle book, right? Exactly. Um, so we've gone for something that that hopefully explains more perfect. what the book is. Right. And in this revised edition, we then move to the really clarify what these levels are about. So if you feel you're coming in as a real beginner or a novice, then you really should be looking to to start with the with the level one exercise, um, and these are very low level. If then you feel quite confident, or maybe you don't feel you're quite getting the load on your body that you need, and then you can move to level two. If you're a regular exerciser and you're quite an accomplished uh, athlete or exerciser, um, then you might feel that the uh, level three uh, exercises are more appropriate for you. It might be safer, your sure. body might be able to cope with the extra demands. However, that said, even as somebody who is used to exercise and has a, has a lot of sort of physical capability about themselves, the, one, the level one and two exercises are still suitable for those people right? because it depends on the degree of their injury and what they're specifically trying to target, whether it's a bit of range of motion or whether it's loading and, and so on. So there's something for everybody. But as a caveat, I would say if you're not used to exercising, start with the level one exercises.
0: And none of them should increase pain, right?
2: Absolutely, right. yeah. Um, I mean, this is obviously the old adage, no pain, no gain. But right. we, we we try and sort of disrupt that, that pattern of thinking, really. So I often use what's called the 3 out of 10 rule. So on your own pain scale, 0 being nothing, 10 being the worst you can imagine, do any exercise rehabilitation-wise or prehabilitation-wise that takes you up to but never beyond a 3 out of 10. And if you're moving into beyond a three out of 10, you're probably doing more damage.
0: We're actually gonna start a section now on how to bulletproof your shoulders. So Mike, you wanna ask the first question? So
1: you talked about the importance of shoulder blade and rib cage as an important false joint. Uh, Could you tell us why and what muscles are attached to those regions?
2: Okay, so it's often referred to as a pseudo or a a false joint, like you say. And this is basically the the articulation or the joint between the, the rib cage uh, and then the scapula that sits on top of that. So effectively, it's not a true joint in that you don't get bone on bone with, um, you know, with, a, right. with, with all the things you would normally see in a joint. But what you, you get is it more it sort shoulder, of
0: shoulder blade bone. Absolutely. Normal, yeah. You get
2: effectively a muscle sandwich. So you get the rib right. cage and you, and you get the, the scapula, the, the the shoulder blade, and you get this muscle called the serratus anterior sitting between it. Uh, and then you also get some some of the rotator cuff muscles. You've got subscapularis, and then the bit the the major rotator cuff muscles on the back. But more importantly, um, you have these muscles called the rhomboids and the trapezius, which most people will be common uh, will be familiar with, uh, particularly the upper trapezius. Uh, and then there's a long strap-like muscle called the levator scapula, um, and it does exactly what it says on the label. Really, it elevates the the shoulder blade, the scapula. Right. Um, and between the trapezius, the rhomboids, and the levator scapula, you tend to get a lot of um, imbalance. So what that causes or what it's caused by is sometimes that the shoulder tends to protract or come forwards and slope. And you can see even in this position here, that places a lot of pull and tension on, sure. on the muscles that run from the shoulder to the neck. So if you're sat there for a nine, 10-hour day at a desk in that position, you um, I can yeah, see there's problems. already some stretching going off there, just <laughs> thinking about it. And that, yeah, exactly, yeah, I'm the same. And it just sort All of right. ra- way, it raises your awareness that there's not a balance there. Uh, and that's right. really where I think that the Bulletproof body, body weight exercise movement um, can help restore some of that balance between those key muscles.
0: Well, you maybe be answering my qu- next question. The, the, so, the goals of the body weight exercises for the shoulder are? Yeah,
2: so to, to restore balance effectively. So, okay. to try and get you to retract or, or pull back. Um, so, there's a nice exercise, which is the tre- chest stretch, which is just to open up at the front. Um, there's some active exercises to try and draw back um, the, the muscles at the back, um, the rhomboids, and the lower trapezius as well. uh, There are exercises that target the latissimus dorsi, that you know the big lats muscles, as they're commonly referred to, because they they have a little bit of contact on the shoulder blade and then they come down onto the ribs as well. Um, So we're really targeting the the muscles that need to be stretched at the front uh, and to be activated at the back to sort of open up the chest and the back as well.
1: So in trying to rehab a chronic shoulder issue, do you often start by focusing on the false joint?
2: yes absolutely because it, the analogy that i often use with my patients is okay you've come with a what appears to be a rotator cuff problem today right we we can do all the work in the world on this but if you walk away from this session and you then let your shoulder drop into an abnormal position then then of the it, dis- yeah. it discounts everything that we've just done. So the idea is, you know, you build your house on solid foundations right. and your and you do your shoulder work, your true shoulder work, on the solid foundation of a, 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 of a nicely positioned shoulder blade. Um, now what that true position is, we don't know, but it certainly isn't being held in this forward right. position for, for hours on
0: end. It can lead to impingement too, right? Right. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And you know there'll be a lot of therapists who will work just on the impingement. Right. You're wasting your time unless you address unless you address the, the underlying cause. Cause, right? Which may which may be um, that there is this uh, secondary postural issue um, created a sure. shoulder blade, yeah, the shoulder girdle as, as as we sometimes call it as well.
0: So we're going to go over five of your exercises. Uh, we'll start with the chest chest stretch. You talked about it before, right? but could you please describe it and give it a little purpose
2: of it? Yeah, sure. So I think this is around page thirty-eight in the, in the book, or something wow. about. it's a nice, it's a nice easy stretch. Um, effectively, what you're doing is you're you're bringing your shoulder backwards, um, you're bringing your arm backwards just to open up the, the chest position. So ultimately, you're stretching um, the the pectoral muscles. Um, in particular, we're trying to target. Uh, the pec minor muscle as well as the pec major muscle just to see if we can bring that shoulder blade backwards uh, and uh, relieve some of the tension on the front of the chest so there's a nice diagram in the in the book uh, with um, a a simple description uh, as well and effectively just involves bringing that arm and shoulder
0: backwards and maintaining that stretch right and mike's demonstrating the exercise while we talk
1: yeah. I'm going to yeah. overlay some uh, video image. So the viewers right. can, the, right. the audio people are screwed, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Well, I gave, I gave a great, uh, hopefully audio that's right. description there. That's right. so yeah. uh,
1: I'll do my best. Could you talk about the shoulder stretch you have on page 42 of your book and the benefits shoulder of it?
2: Stretch. Oh yeah. So this, this is, I mean, this is a game changer from my point of view for anything that's shoulder related. That's the one you've got it. So I mean, I see a lot of patients, particularly over the age of sort of 60, and they probably haven't brought their arms above their shoulders for um, two or three years at least because, sure. you know, they're maybe not engaged in sports. The most they probably do is peg out a little bit of washing or close their curtains, but, but they're not right. regularly operating at this. So often when it comes to them actively raising the arms, they, they really struggle with it. But if you look at that stretch, that's a way of passively bringing the arms and the shoulders all the way through to elevation. But the absolute beauty of that stretch is that if you see from the book there in the image, it creates extension of the thoracic spine as well. So we talk about building the house on a solid foundation. So not only are you stretching the shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint, as it's technically known, but you're smoothing out the curve of the thoracic spine and you're allowing the shoulder blade, the scapula to sit in a much better position.
0: Wonderful. So uh, um, again, we want to emphasize that you have a lot of exercises. We're only showing five. But we'll yeah, sure. how about the rotator cuff stretch?
2: Yeah, so the rotator cuff stretch. So in this one, um, Ashley uses um, a dowel or a rod uh, to create a little bit of passive stretch. Uh, and effectively, what he's trying to do is he's trying to rotate out the shoulder and then rotating the shoulder. And actually I I do have an issue with this left shoulder of mine and I have noticed that I have got some discrepancy um, on this left side. So it's definitely something that we should all address. And again, it probably comes because of a postural defect. And then that means that some of the rotator cuff muscles are held in a shortened position and others are elongated. So that stretch in particular is around using the dowel to create either internal or external rotation of the shoulder and uh, just stretch out those, those tight rotator cuff
0: muscles. Are you left-handed or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Actually. Oh, wow. that's but, I, but
2: I'm a, I'm a left leaner, you see. So there we go. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Do you want to talk about how you do um, foam rolling of the scapula?
2: Oh, so yeah. So the idea here is that you get the foam roller and you uh, sort of lay back onto it placing as much stress as you feel comfortable to do onto the foam roller. The rest of the stress can be taken either through the, the buttocks or, or through the legs, you know, depending on your position. And, and again, that's it demonstrated in the book. Um, but the idea then is you take as much stress as you're comfortable and you just roll backwards and forwards on your back, uh, with the, with the foam roller going sort of across the back uh, sort of perpendicular to the spine. And, um, yeah. What a, what a great way of ironing out the, uh, yeah,
0: I do it every day, the, yeah.
2: the lower, the lower traps and the rhomboids, but also again, you're yeah. getting that thoracic extension and quite often you'll get a little bit of a pop or a cavitation yes, exactly. as you're doing it, a little click. Uh, and that makes everybody feel great. Doesn't it? Right. Love the sound.
0: Uh, the scap- sound. scapula up.
2: Yeah. So scapula push up. we're getting more now to the, 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 the nitty gritty of the book, the finer details, but, um, This again is around how do we activate muscles that are perhaps a little bit uh, sleepy, uh, a little bit underused. So the idea here is you bring yourself into what would be regarded as a press-up position. Um, So again, you've got the plank, you've got all the core muscles working. And the idea here is you hold yourself in that press-up position, but you just draw the shoulder blades back and down slightly as if you're almost trying to draw them into your back pockets uh, of your jeans. Uh, and the idea is then you you activate those um, those lower trapezius muscles. So, uh, yes, great little exercise. Not yes. everybody can do it. It takes a lot of practice, though.
1: Do you have any other thoughts or tips for bulletproofing your shoulders? Well,
2: uh, my absolute favorite, and it's not for everybody, it's the, the frog stance, I think is the, the term we use in the yeah, book. Yeah, I
0: tried that one. I couldn't do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if, if you're gonna do it, that I would say that's a sort of a level three exercise, right. maybe level two yeah, exercise, um, and you'd have to build up. But the thing about it is, you you don't have to go directly into a frog stance. You can bring yourself in the position, still keeping your tiptoes on the floor, sure, but just lean forward through the shoulders and get the shoulders used to taking some body weight. And that's one of the key formats of the textbook is that it it often reverses what we do with the body. So we're not used to taking a lot of load through the shoulders, but actually, that's probably part of our evolutionary makeup, is that we were load bearing through the shoulders. Sure. So you know, there's maybe a little bit of a function there, and you know, look at a child playing; they'll crawl, and actually, I think there's, I believe there's some evidence that children and babies that don't crawl tend to go on to have more shoulder issues. So there's definitely that. Uh, need i think to develop that weight bearing through the shoulder but it's uh, it's not for everybody and if you are going to do it and come up forward onto your hands have a cushion or pillow or something
1: soft just in case you (laughs) go go over yeah
0: all right we're going to start
1: on how to bulletproof your hips so what are some common hip problems that these exercises may help with
2: well, I mean, going back to my original right. um, story for writing the book. So this, this idea of hip impingement in particular, you know, a lot of people spend time sitting during the day. So you get shortening of the hip flexors, you get weakening of the, the hip extensors and the glutes, uh, and you also get shortening of the hamstrings as well, which uh, can be a factor in, in back pain. Uh, so really the exercises within this section will target stretching out the hip flexors, strengthening up the glutes, um, actively working the uh, the hamstrings at the origin, at the um, at the pelvic origin, to really try and address some of that imbalance that can be found, uh, and, and as well also looking at some of the lower back muscles to to try and make sure that the hip has its full range of mobility.
1: Gotcha. So, what are the goals of the body weight exercises prescribed for the hips?
0: Kind of all.
2: About uh, to, yeah, well, yeah definitely yeah. to restore range of motion. So yeah. that's that's sure. a key factor. Um, and, and going back to Bob's question there about, about osteoarthritis on, the, on a previous episode, um, you know, we've got this, this issue with the fact that people are underusing their joints. And right. that may be a factor in osteoarthritis. So just mobilizing joints, restoring key movements, lubricating, remember the motion is lotion, right. and, uh, and, and then also strengthening up some of those weak muscles, um, uh, particularly around the glutes.
0: So again, there are many exercises in the book. We're going to go all over five. So we'll start with the knee circle.
2: Again, guess So
0: Mike, Mike will demonstrate.
1: Yeah, I'll demonstrate. I guess.
0: Absolutely. So well,
2: it's a good one to demonstrate, Mike. It's a nice, easy one. Um, and, and although it's called knee circles, it might mislead you to think it's a knee exercise. Uh, but actually, uh, we're basically circumducting the hip. So this is a this is a motion at the hip where you you take it in a rounded motion. Um, the, the diagram in the book is a little bit like um, a dog urinating up against a lamp <laughs>
1: right. or yep.
2: fire hydrant, I guess. Hydrant, for you guys. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's the old, it's the old comic
0: cartoon
2: yep. version, isn't it? Exactly. But, um, yeah. It's that sort of movement. But the idea is you're, you're working the, because of that position that use utilizes gravity so that in order to circumduct the hip out, you, you have to work the gluteal muscles in addition to stretching um, the, the hip flexors and the hip adductors as well. And again, that's a key format of, of bodyweight exercises that you're doing simultaneous multiple movements to really maximize your workout.
1: Do you want to talk about the benefits of your deep squat position, Stretch?
2: Yeah, well, the, the deep squat is, is really the holy grail of the book. So if, gotcha. if there's anybody out there who cannot achieve a deep squat, that should be your life mission assuming that you are medically well enough to do so because it's i have to, I have to look at pictures from other cultures where the chair does not exist right so in history the chairs are relatively new phenomenon for for the average person you know only only kings and queens have thrones once <laughs> and everybody else squatted on the floor and sure. sat in the mud. um but now we all sit at this nice 90-degree right. angle at the right. hip, 90 degree angle at the knee. Um, but in other cultures, there are people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who can still do a deep squat, sitting around a campfire, eating, talking with friends. That that you know, that's the position. So there is no reason other than perhaps you have lost the ability to do that movement. So um, I do I do often argue with some patients when they say, well, I've, I, you know, I've sort of seized up where well, you you probably seized up because you haven't been taking your body through that. Um, but again, just a word of caution, you know, if you're not medically able, then, uh, then seek professional guidance, but most people would benefit if they can move towards doing a deep squat for hip flexion, for knee flexion, and for what's called dorsiflexion at the ankle as well.
0: So I got to ask uh, if you can't squat deep, What's the best
1: way to obtain that? We're hinting that neither of us can. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right.
2: Well, I think you two should both get yourself a copy of Bulletproof Bodies for, for a start, <laughs> without a doubt. Um. But yeah, I mean, squat, squat as deep as you are able to. Right. Um, so there are there are sort of things you can do. You can you could go through a series of going around your home and finding chairs or seats of different heights. Sure. So you can start off, um, you know, on, on a dining chair. And then you can move to a, a drumming stall if you've got one or, you know, something that's maybe height sure. adjustable um, and and just practice sitting on chairs of lower height. Um, another little cheat that you'll see a lot of um, therapists or um, personal trainers use in gyms when they're helping people is they often put a wedge under the heel. Sure. So they get people to, you know, disc weights and they'll put yeah. those on the floor, a phone book or, you know, a a good quality textbook or a copy of book copy of bulletproof bodies, perhaps. Yeah. Um, or, you know, if you, if you really need a big wedge, maybe buy five copies of the book. <laughs> there we um, go. And so this, this, yeah, there are cheats around it, but, but my advice is squat as deep as you are physically able to gotcha. in, a, in a safe and controlled way.
1: Yeah. I found that I go in a, I stand in a doorway and I grab the frame and right. then I do it that way because my problem is my ankles are so tight. Once I get certain depth, I'll go backwards. So yeah. as long as I'm holding on, that's, I can actually stretch that that's
0: way. Actually meet
2: Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you're so you're supporting your upper body. And again, yeah. it sounds like you would really benefit, Mike, from having that bit of a wedge under the heel. Mm-hmm. And then as you get better, you gradually reduce the size of that wedge. And, and that's right. that's really the purpose of any exercise is start at the edge of your comfort zone and gradually take yourself out of that comfort zone in a controlled and safe way.
0: Right. All right, next, uh, hamstring stretching, hamstring, yep.
2: Well, it does exactly uh, as it says on the label, really. It's uh, it's a static stretch for the hamstring. Um, the, the, the one we've put in there is quite a basic one. Right. Um, some, I think some people might refer to it as the hurdler stretch, yes. you know, the, the hurdles yep. uh, as an athletic uh, a track event. Um, But the idea is you isolate the hamstring on one leg before you then swap to the other leg. And that allows you to really focus uh, on the difference between the two legs. Um, But ultimately, as I say, we we spend a lot of time sitting, particularly with a a degree of knee flexion, and the hamstrings will habitually shorten. So you can't go wrong with a nice, controlled uh, stretch of the hamstrings.
1: Uh, The next one you discuss is the groin stretch full disclosure when i played american football we used to call this the butterfly stretch yeah absolutely
2: uh-huh. so so you've got the butterfly wings opening there so that's a, right. that's a great um, audio description there and um yeah so effectively this again is a safe way of doing it so you're you're, you're you're seated um and one of the things that i find with with adults um is that they they don't know how to sit cross-legged anymore they, they just don't have that ability you know they they'll try and get into a cross leg position and they'll just want to fall backwards sure. because they've lost, they've lost that mobility around the low back and the hips. And that's why we put this particular butterfly stretching for the, for the hip. Um, and the groin is that it actually requires you to start stretching out the low back as well. Sure. And, uh, so the idea again, with the, the bulletproof bodyweight exercise is that it uses multiple different areas in any one, in any one
0: exercise. Get that passion out of the back. So how about next one, uh, glute stretch?
2: Yeah, so the glute stretch is a real winner. You can never go wrong with stretching out the glutes. It always feels quite nice to stretch. With the one we've we've put in, which I think is the one with the slight slight twist in the body. So again, we we added that one uh, as opposed to the the classic figure of four when you're laid on your back. But we added this one in because you get that spinal rotation as well. And again, once you've had that stretch for a few seconds, you might find that you get a little bit of a pop-up click in the low back as it releases. And again, everybody likes the sound and the feel of that. So you just get that benefit of the rotation of the spine, the flexion of the hip, uh, and the stretch of the glutes as well.
1: So are there any other thoughts on stretches or exercises you can do for bulletproofing your hips?
2: Um, Well, I'll, I'll come back to the frog stance again.
0: Oh,
1: so wow.
2: although, although I mentioned it in the previous episode linked to the shoulder, right. it, it's, it's that, that old adage of multiple body parts being used at any one time with body exercise. And, and the idea of being able to do the frog stance is that you, you force your elbows into the inside of your thighs and, and really open up. And then as you're able to safely do, you bring your weight forward onto your hands, which then just pushes the hips out a little bit. And, and that was one of my key exercises that took me away from having three years of hip locking to after six weeks of doing that particular exercise, very little uh, issues with the left hip now.
0: All right, you talked me into it. (laughs) All right, we're gonna go on to now how to both proof your knees. So uh, what are some common knee problems that these exercises are gonna help?
2: I think you touched on this um, in, in an earlier episode, Bob, with the, with the osteoarthritis, one right. of the most common joints uh, affected. Uh, and um, I would really say most of the exercises in the section on the knee will, will help with some degree of osteoarthritis right. change uh, in the knee because that, that's probably the major problem. Um, then you have other things uh, like you know, strains of the, the ligaments, the cruciate ligaments in particular. Uh, And as we age as well, the the menisci, the sort of soft cartilages that sit in the knee, they can degenerate slightly as well. So anything that's going to load those in a controlled way, distribute that synovial fluid and help nourish those soft and uh, harder um, articular cartilages will will do a great job in restoring function to the knee.
1: So what are the goals of the bodyweight exercises for the knees with this book? So similar to to
2: the other topics we've discussed, it's about mobility first and foremost. I think it's range of motion, sure, and um, then hopefully by restoring range of motion, you can then layer on the strength and the stability. Gotcha. But 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 most people have lost some degree of range, and um, one of the things that, that we f- we find when we see a lot of our patients is with an osteoarthritic knee, they often can't quite straight in the knee they've lost that last bit of extension right. of the, the knee and also bringing the heel towards the bottom in knee flexion um they, they they struggle with that as well so if you can restore those two movements as much as possible you will find that you get less knee pain and you should get more knee function
0: seen it many times so first exercise uh, your beloved squat yes
2: <laughs> well as, uh, as i say it's the it's the gold standard really if, yeah. if you
0: can move if you can move
2: towards the squat you've got you've got two things going off, which I didn't mention before about about the squat was you've got range of motion but it's loaded so sure. it's not just you know it's not just laying on your back and, and pulling your knee in towards you and and doing it that way you're actually doing it in a, in a way that eccentrically is loading a lot of the muscles as you go from standing into squatting and then whilst you're doing that you're also um, gently, gently persuading that knee to go into some degree of flexion or knee bend.
1: Very good. The next stretch is the quadriceps stretch. You actually have it in a lying on your stomach position in the book, huh?
2: Yeah. So I guess that's, that's counterproductive to a lot of what I've just mentioned. Um, I think more for safety reasons, the idea of perhaps having some people lay um, some people stand on one leg, particularly, you know, if they're of a certain age, um, or have a degree of immobility. Uh, there is a risk of falls if you're standing on one leg trying to balance. Um, so we, th- this would be a classic example of a, of a level one exercise, a real entry level. Yes. Lay on your tummy, um, lay on your front, your abdomen. Um, you've also got that nice stretch of the lumbar spine whilst you're laid there in, in prone on your front. Um, and then the idea is you can, in a controlled way, you can bring the heel towards the buttocks uh, and you can hold that um, You can hold that knee flexion. The other benefit to doing it, as we've shown in the book, is that you also get that stretch at the front of the hip as well. Oh, sure. and sometimes you'll, you'll see this if you've ever asked anybody to do the stretch in standing.
0: You know, I see. I know.
2: They, they yeah. tend to bring their knee and their thigh forward, right. so they, they cheat by releasing the hip so they can get the stretch at the knee.
0: You could also uh, loop a belt around the ankle and if you had trouble, reach back. So
2: wow. that's that's a great addition. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, next one, gym ball, hamstring stretch or ah, hamstring curl. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hamstring yeah, no, curl. OK,
2: so this is the only exercise in the book where I make a cameo appearance. So uh, all of the other exercises um, and. Ah. I can't is, even tell <laughs> is, 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 is Ashley showing his physical prowess. Right. Um, but he, but he allowed me to do one exercise. There we go. Um, he, he felt I was physically capable to do this one. <laughs> so, um, and, and I was the only one who had a gym ball as well. He didn't have one. Sure. So this is, this is one of those exercises where you need a little bit of uh, equipment. Um, but if you don't have a gym ball, you can, you can use a dining chair and you can put your heels up. Uh, onto the seat aspect of the chair. And the idea is you're just trying to raise the bottom, sure. off the, raise, your, raise your buttocks off the ground. And by doing that, you're, you're activating um, the hamstrings. The benefit of having a gym ball is you can, you can raise the buttocks off the floor. So you've activated the hamstrings at the hip, and then you can start to bend the knee uh, by curling the ball in towards the backside. Um, and then you're now getting a dual action with right. the hamstrings. You're securing it at one end and you're activating it at the other.
1: For those listening, imagine a bridge, but your legs move towards you.
2: Great description. <laughs> uh,
1: the next one we're going to talk about is IT band foam rolling.
2: Yeah. So ITB is the iliotibial band. Very controversial. Um widely thought not to be a stretchable entity right so a a lot of a lot of the stuff you read suggests that you you know you could hang off the itb all day exactly probably probably wouldn't budge we wouldn't give at all so but the idea is you know you might get these lumps of uh, additional sort of scar tissue collagen building right and if You've ever done any work around an iliotibial band, whether it's you know a manual therapy or 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 even the foam rolling, you'll know it's a very tender spot, it's a very tender yes. area. So, my advice when you if you do the ITB iliotibial band foam rolling is you take as much load and much weight through your arms and through your leg as you need to, placing only enough stress on the ITB as you feel comfortable with, and again. The three out of 10 rule is what I advise. So I mentioned this on an earlier episode. So zero being nothing, 10 being the worst pain you can imagine. Go for your own three out of 10. Because I hear a lot of people who will foam roll until tears start to form in their eyes. (laughs) Wow! And they really feel like they're not doing anything unless unless it really hurts. But go slow and steady with a foam roller, particularly around the ITB.
0: So, my understanding with the IPTB is that can often adhesive down and the foam warning will help that. So, yes,
2: that's yeah, exactly.
0: So, next one is lunge.
2: Ah, the lunge. So, lunge, yeah. um, so you've got balance, uh, you've got the coordination, you'll be able to step one foot in front of the other. Now, in some individuals who might be listening to this, particularly if you know they're not particularly mobile. they might find that just going into that split stance is enough for them. And that's where they need to work and really work on their balance, particularly if they're at risk of falls. If they can go into that split stretch, that split stance and they're okay, then the idea is then you start to load the front knee by just taking the back knee down towards the ground. And so the idea is you're getting multiple activation, you're mobilizing the front knee, you're mobilizing the rear knee. You've got one hip that's going into flexion, one hip that's going into extension, and you're working on your balance as well. What more could you ask for? Well,
1: exactly. I think we should mention that there's also more exercises and stretches than the ones we're talking Again. about in the book. Way and your, more. your book breaks down each section individually, too, for those wondering. Right. But do you? Right. Yeah, any- do, I do
2: sometimes wonder if I've unders- undersold myself and Ashley with, with this book because... I'm sure some authors would probably have generated seven or eight books out of the content that we sure. placed into one, one book. We, we tried to make it a, a sort of a, a catch all reference book for, for people who are just interested in how to rehabilitate or prehabilitate right. their own bodies all the way through to perhaps somebody who wants a quick reference as a sports therapist, massage therapist, physical therapist. Um, and we've got all these sections on the shoulder, the hip, the knee, the ankle, the foot, the wrist, um, and the spine as well. We've condensed it all into
0: one book. All right. The final section, we're going to talk about how to bulletproof your spine. So one of the common spine problems that these exercises might help.
2: Well, I guess the main one is a postural type of dysfunction. Sure. So, you know, often um, in in clinical practice, a lot of patients will say to me, look, I've got back pain. What's wrong with my back? And, and often the answer is, well, there's nothing wrong with your back. It's just not evolved to sit at a desk for 10 hours a day. Um, so you're, you're placing strain on on the back that, that really it shouldn't be there for a prolonged period of time. It should be there in short bursts, but it shouldn't be there for many hours. So hours. the main thing is we see a lot of postural dysfunction. Um, now, one of the things that can then lead to is an overloading at the um, you'll hear a lot of people talk about discs, disc prolapse, disc bulge, that sort of right. thing. So we're talking about the sort of the cushion that sits in between the vertebrae or the bones yep. of the spine. And what can happen is you've got, if you've got excessive loading on the front of those bones, the front of those vertebrae, you'll load the front of the disc by compressing it, but then you'll stretch the posterior or back part of the disc. And going back to what we discussed in the previous episode, was, was this idea of a rubber band being kept on prolonged stretch, if you permanently deform the elastic fibers and the collagenous fibers in the part of the disc at the, at the back, um, you may then be prone to repetitive disc bulges and, and disc prolapses. And that is something that unfortunately I do see commonly in clinical practice.
1: Yeah, disc creep, right? Creep, thank yeah. you,
2: yeah. yes.
1: So what are the goals of body weight exercises prescribed for the spine? I
2: think- Alignment, I think is the key. Uh, and then how do you maintain that alignment? So a lot of the exercises will be trying to um, take you into movements like extension um, to try and smooth out that, uh, that, that prolonged bending of the spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you're in that position, how do we re-engage the muscles uh, in, in the abdomen, in the glutes, in the front of the hip, at the back of the spine? How do we re-engage all those muscles to, to make underactive muscles more active and shorter and how do we stretch short overactive muscles and take some of the tension out of them
0: now we're about the spine we're talking about all the way up too so let's go with first exercise neck retraction
2: yeah so uh, so in the uk we pronounce that the cervical spine is that how it, you guys would say no, that
0: or? or cervical
2: cervical so yeah. so we differentiate that from yeah. cervical problems that Maybe pertain only to women. Um, so right. yeah. So we, so so if I so if I use the word cervical, I mean cervical. Um, gotcha. So basically, yes, the neck. The idea is here that you use a retraction because most people will sit in a degree of protraction, uh, which involves um, some uh, extension at the um, no, sorry, yeah, extension of the upper yeah. neck, the upper cervical spine, and the idea is you're really trying to stretch that out. Uh, And also by doing that as well, you'll offload the middle spine, the thoracic spine as well. So uh, retraction retraction of the neck, um, it can be done actively. So just by using your own muscles, it can be used passively. Uh, You can do it laid supine on your back in a nice, comfortable position. The trick is always, I explain to my patients, is try and maintain an eye level uh, and fix your eyes on something. Because otherwise what will happen is you just end up looking down, which is not actually then a retraction. So fix your eyes on something and then just try and tuck that chin backwards Good Good and bite. feel the stretch and also try and increase the distance between your ears and your shoulders to get that stretch as well.
1: Do you want to talk about foam rolling for the upper spine? So thoracic area?
2: Yes, sure. So this is very similar to, to what we discussed in the previous episode right. on the shoulders, shoulder, right? which was around loading enough of the spine onto the foam roller that you feel comfortable. Uh, and if you're able to take most of your weight, then the idea is you perhaps just cross your arms over your chest, um, you've got the foam roller going across the length of the spine, uh, and then using your legs, you just bring yourself backwards and forwards over that foam roller, just ironing out all those knotted areas in the muscles, um, again, just bringing yourself into that little bit of thoracic extension, uh, and, and getting that little bit of a pop and a click as the, as the spine cavitates, as you offload it against gravity and, and iron out those knotted areas.
0: Very good. How about the standing side stretch?
2: So standing side stretch is, a, is a quite an easy one. Again, we would put that as a, as a level one exercise, accessible for everybody. Uh, and the idea here is that you're trying to open up on one side of your trunk, um, whilst if you if you want to, you can add in the shoulder as well, and that creates more of a stretch for Latissimus dorsi. Uh, If you have shoulder issues, you can just put your arms by your side and then you can just reach down one leg. So left leg with left arm and then vice versa, right arm down, right leg. And the idea is you're opening up uh, the the, the, the joints, the facet joints of the spine. You're stretching the rib cage on that side. And then there's also a muscle that tends to get quite tight called quadratus lumborum that sits between the top of the pelvis and the lower ribs. And, and, and often that's a very tight knotted area and just stretching that out on each side as well.
1: Do you want to talk about the benefits of the cat stretch?
2: Yeah. So the cat stretch is, is probably one that, f- that people are familiar with if they've done yoga or right. Pilates type exercises. Um, so it, again, it's nothing new. Uh, and, and again, it would be a, one of those entry level exercises. That's good for, for everybody. Uh, and the idea is you're just trying to get that nice rounded posture which sounds counterintuitive because we probably spend much of our day in that position, right. but the beauty is you're you're forcing perhaps the bits that wouldn't normally go into that to uh, that rounded stretch and making sure that they get uh, an adequate stretch as well. But, but the particular beauty and benefit of the cat stretch is that again you're loading through the shoulders, so you've got that you've got that loaded exercise um, there as well, uh, and you're also creating some degree. Of knee flexion and some um, plantar flexion at the ankle as well sure. to stretch out it's all body uh, those, those body parts as well.
0: Next one, I like it a lot. It's a new one to me, uh, rear support.
2: Yeah, so the rear support is a, is a nice one for toning up the hamstrings as well. Uh, so, uh, not the hamstrings, the triceps. There you go, I'm test, testing myself now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the idea is with the rear support, uh, and this is one of Ashley's exercises that it's a foundation level exercise for anybody who's wanting to really develop their calisthenics ability. Um, So I like it for multiple reasons. It tones up the triceps. It brings the shoulder joint into a degree of extension, which we very rarely do on a day-to-day basis. But to be able to hold the position, you need to be able to elongate the spine, you need to be able to activate the core, and you need to be able to activate the, the glutes, Uh, and a lot of muscles in the leg to be able to hold the position. And I challenge anybody to hold that position for more than 60 seconds. I agree. uh, It's a a real tough one. And you'll know if you've got tight shoulders, if you try that one, you'll know instantly.
1: Yeah, this looks very interesting. I've never heard of this. It looks like a, for those listening, it kind of looks like a push-up, but you're facing the ceiling.
2: Yeah, that's a good good description.
0: Level two. I mean, is that a level? Yeah, three? that would that would
2: that would be that would be probably a level two, level three, depending on your ability. Sure. Um, but it's uh, certainly one to aspire to, and and that's that's the purpose of the book. We don't want anybody to come in and feel that they they have a glass ceiling of of level one, level two. The idea is they can be progressive. Sure. So if you if you come into using the book and you're not um, you're not used to or confident with bodyweight exercises. Once you then develop that confidence and that physical ability, you can then start to progress. Um, But all of the exercises that are in this book are comparatively with what's what are available in most calisthenics books. These are all relatively basic, apart from perhaps the handful that we've put in to try and
1: engage the,
2: the more athletic reader.
1: So do you have any other thoughts on bulletproofing your spine? Ooh frog stretch good,
2: good. <laughs> now i'm gonna i'm gonna move away from that broken record oh, sure. uh i would i i like uh prone extensions so either passive or active so you lay on your front uh and you can either pop your hands here and then use your spinal extensors to, to bring yourself up and um, often sometimes referred to as the superman so you bring yourself yep. in a, a superman yep. position but if you do that you're increasing the leverage with your arms So if you find that difficult, bring the arms down by the side and then try and actively lift the chest off the floor. Uh, The other way to do it, to get more of a stretch of the lumbar spine and the thoracic spine, is to bring yourself into what would look like a a lay-down push-up and then push up through your arms, keep your pelvis and your legs on the floor or the bed.
0: Yeah, a personal favorite. One of your favorites? Yep. So um, we want to be respectful of your time. So... um... We're going to thank you for taking the time to, uh, demonstrate. I mean, discuss all these exercises. And, uh, again, we want to mention the book, Mike, want to- do you have
1: a website or anything where people can reach you at, um, or social I, media? I, I,
2: want, I want to, I want to say
1: yes, but I don't <laughs> know what it is. Ashley, you, Ashley would
2: know, um, but we'll put um, it
1: in the description box below. If you just want to email it to us, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll send you something to, uh, post-production
0: there we go that sounds good all right any final thoughts you want to give right i just want
2: to say thank you both for your time uh, it's oh, been a pleasure you. to talk to you both and uh, oh, i really you. really appreciate this platform and this this um this conversation we've had today so thank you very
0: much oh it's a terrific book so i oh, just, thank you very everybody kind. get one yeah okay you've got one already what no, more could you ask for that's
1: right we need two okay <laughs>